to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. We also have a special guest here with us today, Charlotte Sable, Level 3 Judge and member of the Commander Advisory Group. Welcome back to the show, Charlotte. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. It's always yeah, a pleasure. Well, we love having you on, and we've got uh, a topic today that is perfect for your expertise. So... A while back, we did a few episodes on unsupported tribes that just needed the right commander in order to become viable in commander. During these episodes, we challenged our listeners to create custom designs to fill these gaps in the format, and we received a ton of awesome designs in response. Today, we're going to be reviewing some of those designs and discussing whether they have what it takes to make their respective tribes into new archetypes in commander. So Zach and I, no commander, but we are not experts on the rules. So that's why we've asked Charlotte to let us know if any of the designs have major rules or templating issues and provide suggestions for how they can be fixed. All right. uh, But before we start, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And with that, let's get right into it. So the first submission we're going to be talking about today is from Stormcrow Legend. This is Haru Aki, host of Seasons. It is white, blue, black, red, green for a 5-5 legendary dragon spirit. It has flying and other spirits you control get plus two, plus two. Whenever a spirit you control deals combat damage to a player, you may return a spirit card from your graveyard to your hand. And whenever a spirit you control dies, you may return a creature you control to your hand. So how are we looking on uh, rules, templating, any any issues that we should talk about? Uh, the rules are fine as written. The only templating thing related to rules is that the ability that pumps your spirits should probably say other spirit creatures mm-hmm. you control get plus two plus two. Since, you know, tribal is a thing and you can have spirits that aren't creatures. Uh, But beyond that, that's not a huge issue. And if they're not creatures, it doesn't really matter anyway. Uh, Overall, I like this card. Uh, I don't understand some of what it's doing. Um, Like, I specifically don't understand the last ability. Like, or sorry, when a spirit you control dies, you can return a creature you control to your hand. I don't understand what that ability is trying to accomplish. The uh, combat damage ability, like that, that's at least, you know, makes some more sense just to get some recursion going. But, like, specifically that last ability, it's kind of odd. I kind of would prefer to see maybe the last ability replaced with, like, spirits you control have soul shift and where n is their converted mana cost or something which you know sort of ties into what that combat damage ability is trying to do and ties it back to honestly a somewhat underappreciated uh mechanic that was actually one of the higher points of kamigawa yeah i i agree i think that the last ability looks breakable and the fact that it can get any creature back means that to me, that sounds like you're going to run spirit token generators and then just sacrifice them to recur something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I, I think. Well, the last ability is, says, is returning a creature from the battlefield, not from the graveyard, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, I think the reason for that is like the when you cast a spirit or arcane things from 
Kamigawa block. Oh, that's fair. That but makes I still sense. agree. I think that even though it's not from Grave to Hand, that it's Cloudstone Curios, really good. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of spirits that make yeah. spirits. Like, I think there's probably some way to loop this in a, a way that's not super can it yeah it's pretty combo-y i do I, I like your idea for the soul shift too i think like literally putting soul shift on on a spirit commander would be like a really cool throwback if it was just you know wooberg five five dragon spirit flying other spirits you control get plus two plus two and each spirit has soul shift x where x is its converted mana cost mm-hmm. and then have reminder text for the soul shift like i think that would be fine honestly yeah, I'm I'm wondering if the other spirits you control get plus two plus two is pushing you in a different direction. Because like that's another thing that really seems to be rewarding spirit tokens. Uh I'd yeah. I'd like to like to, to get the most use out of that. You wanna spread it as wide as you possibly can. Well yeah, you could even just make non token spirits you control get plus two plus two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, I think that you definitely have to balance the like I'm going to kill you because my my spirits have muscles now with like I want to keep this engine going over several turns yeah yeah like this feels like it wants to be both a combat commander and some sort of weird combo commander Mm -hmm. recursion commander but I I, I think you could hit a sweet spot if you did more to discourage the uh, token strategy yeah honestly Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's the hardest part about spirits as a tribe is that spirits kind of means like two things now there's like in the old Kamigawa spirits was like the first time they really like pumped a bunch of resources into the tribe and like mm-hmm. a bunch of things to do. But uh, yeah. then there's also just spirit tokens. Pretty much every set nowadays has like spirit tokens that fly or something. So I think balancing yeah. those two things is that's the tricky part. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next card. This comes from World Saver Inc. This is Thaddeus, Pope of the Great Church. <laughs> I really like that name. <laughs> it's a good name. Uh, two white, white, black, black for a cleric. It has cleric convoke. You can tap clerics to substitute for mana in its casting cost. All spells have cleric convoke. You can tap three untapped clerics. Pope and player gain protection from the color of your choice. And you can sacrifice six untapped clerics to destroy target permanent. And it is a three, four. What do you think about the rules? This this cleric convoke seems pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not currently any rules for any sort of subset of convoke. But as we saw with them making... Uh, well, hexproof from, but also when they did improvise, right? Yes. Again, with with them able to do hexproof from and like improvise, it's it's certainly possible for them to do some sort of thing on convoke where you can only convoke certain types or colors or whatever of creatures. But I'm not exactly sure how the rules would template that. I'm imagining it's not something that would be spelled out on the card. It would, you mm-hmm. know, it would probably have fairly easy to read reminder text but it would have like a more meaty rule behind it just because it would be uh you know basically it's like the difference between you know type cycling and normal cycling or whatever sort of thing right it, it requires a, like a complete read iteration within the rules of what this means mm-hmm. yeah so obviously the templating that we have here is super rough 
like this is like an idea for a card this is like you know the basics but obviously there's some stuff missing like it doesn't have a race i'm assuming it's probably human or something it sounds thaddeus sounds like a human name anyway mm -hmm. um and you know there, there's not the right templating and the activated abilities and stuff but like in general the everything's sort of where it needs to be it's just you know this is like point form rather than you know fully spelled mm -hmm. out also i have a feeling that the text for this wouldn't fit in the text box with <laughs> the reminder text that would be needed for the cleric convoke mm -hmm. that's one thing to consider which also leads me into my next point with my overall impression is this card has way too much going on with it <laughs> there's a lot of tapping going on like that you're you're tapping there's a lot of clerics there's, there's tapping things and sacking things and it's weird. I, I probably would cut either the all spells have cleric convoke thing. Like, I can understand, like, convoking clerics to cast your pope sort of thing. That would be cool. Like, maybe in, like, a, a tribal or factional set where, you know, like the same way that they did uh, offerings back in Kamigawa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is sort of a leader of these things, so you can use these things to help cast it. That, that's a cool idea that they've explored once, but not very well. I'd like to see that, but I don't know that giving all your spells that makes sense. I could see, like, you know, giving cleric spells cleric convoke would be cool, or just giving all of them cleric convoke, but then, like, I'd probably either cut the that ability or cut this the uh, destroy target permanent ability, because sacrificing six things to destroy one <laughs> thing isn't really good value, even if you're dealing with tokens or that whatever. Is. And there's also not a lot of good cleric. cleric token generation yeah i think like there's what is it sarpedian riptide replicator the yeah that was the one that i was thinking of there's the one the one from shadows over innistrad the cult leader oh yeah 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 oh, that makes, yeah. yeah yeah i forgot about that card um and then there's uh westvale abbey mm -hmm. but that one's really expensive to use to make tokens and that's like a last resort yeah heliod makes clerics too but that's also pretty expensive it's like four <laughs> per cleric yeah, it's what four mana for one token yeah, yeah. I also would probably cut the sacrifice ability. Um, it's just really steep. It's the kind of thing that like will make players sad because it looks cool, but it never happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually like the all spells have cleric convoke. I'm sort of imagining this play style where like you start out with a couple clerics, you get your commander down and then you like really snowball with clerics, get a whole bunch on the field. I also like the I like the idea, like the flavor of the top three clerics to give this guy and yourself protection from a color of your choice or something. Mm -hmm. That that's a cool sort of a thing. Like you know, you're their god and you know yeah. <laughs> they're protecting the church and you. Right? Yeah, their prayers are saving you and and the church. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool thing too. I really like that flavor. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind something that did a little bit more to play with the mechanics that are typically associated with clerics. Um, because right now, like you could take this card and just replace cleric with lizard and <laughs> it wouldn't be very different. Like there's nothing about clerics as a tribe that is required by this design to work. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, right. um, like clerics, they do a lot of life gain and damage prevention, and it could be something like, and I don't know if this totally works within the rules, but like maybe whenever damage 
can can you trigger off of like preventing damage? Is that something that's possible? Um, I suppose you could like because damage being prevented is a thing the game can care about. Like, oh yeah, huh? Um, like if you look at something like uh, one second here. I'm trying to think of like captain's, captain's maneuver. maneuver. Yeah, because that one. Well, that one cares about it's when it's for each damage prevented this way. Is that how it's usually worded? Yeah, that actually redirects the damage rather than preventing mm. it. But like, oh, what's the uh, what's the Tarkir one? Oh, def deflecting palm. In, like burn decks. What? Uh, deflecting palm. Yeah, deflecting mm -hmm. palm. That one does the damage, right? I think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, like, a, a cleric lord being, like, you know, whenever damage that would be dealt to you is prevented, gain one life for each cleric you control or something. Yeah, something, or, or just some sort of, I don't know what the reward would be, but I definitely would like some sort of trigger that related to what clerics were doing. So they're not just, like, bodies to help you power out your commander mm -hmm. and your spells but they also yeah, are leading exactly. into your win condition somehow but i think that's uh that's about all i have to say about this design yeah all right uh this next one comes from D, &D homebrew and art it is vost the king of thieves for one blue black it is a legendary human rogue other rogues you control get plus x plus x where x is the number of permanents you control that you do not own Whenever one or more rogues you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's deck. You may play cards exiled with Vost and may use the mana you create as mana of any color to cast those cards. He also has blue-black. Target rogue cannot be blocked this turn, and he's a 2-2. So what are your thoughts on the, the rules and templating, Charlotte? Uh, the rules are fine. Uh, I This works as it's printed. Oh, cool. Though that second ability, that whenever one or more rogues deal combat damage, XL top card, you can play card, da-da-da. That is basically two, two abilities stapled together rather than one. If you want it, the cards to basically... If you want the cards to be playable, whether or not Vost is around, you should be giving this more the same sort of template that Gaunti uses, which is for as long as that card is exiled, you can cast it oh, and you can yeah. spend mana of any... Because as printed, this is basically two separate abilities, one that exiles the card and one that lets you cast it. And so once Vost goes away then you can't cast those cards anymore and when he comes back you can't still can't cast them uh, because mm -hmm. because of you know yeah yeah i didn't i didn't think about that that's a really good point as for templating it's fine there's a like nothing real my, my biggest complaint that i can see is you know the activated ability at the end it should be target rogue can't be blocked this turn rather than cannot mm -hmm. like that's a little too formal for magic uh, but, like, that's my biggest complaint other than the uh, templating of the damage trigger. But that's also a rules thing. Um, overall, I like this, but I still think it's, like, a bit too much stuff, especially at three converted mana cost. I like, like, putting any two of these abilities together, like the stealing and the pump or the unblockable and the stealing or whatever, right? But I think all three of them together is going to require... A, a bigger text box, and B, a higher mana cost and a beefier body. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. 
I would be inclined to cut the activated ability that makes it so rogues can't be blocked. I think... Yeah. Again, um, one thing I noticed in a lot of these things is a lot of uh, these designs are both posing a question and answering that question. Mm -hmm. And commanders are a lot more fun to build around when the question isn't answered on the same card like uh what you said about gearhead in your c19 review about you know it's like populate oh what do i populate here's a rhino populate this like that's less interesting than him not making his own token right mm -hmm. definitely yeah with this card um the the fact that it makes rogues so that they can't be blocked i don't think that's necessary as i said in the c19 review i like it when the commander is like one half and then you fill your deck with the other half of the equation mm -hmm. so like exactly so like rogues there's so many rogues that have evasion naturally so it, yeah rogues are sneaky in general exactly. right like mm -hmm. you don't you don't need to help them one other thing just design wise and color pie wise i noticed is that first ability where it pumps all your rogues plus x plus x that really doesn't feel blue or black uh if you wanted to make it feel more blue or black a probably a plus x plus o would be more fitting for blue black because mm -hmm. neither of those colors are really big on buffing toughness like blue can buff just toughness but like again it's buffing both together isn't really a blue or black thing at least for large amounts which this is wanting to do yeah no i i definitely agree that makes sense in the color pie zach do you have anything you want to add on this design no i mean both of you guys pretty much hit it right kind of where i'm feeling too like i really like kind of anthem for like things you've stolen and i like the mechanism for playing things that you steal but uh, again i think like you don't need any other rogues in this deck for this to be good. You just like play your guy and then you can just make him unblockable. There's not so much of the puzzle to solve. Like there's a game that you could play with this guy where you just only use him and you just hit them and you steal their stuff and it's going to play like I thought Adele or something like that where I like that rogues are sneaky. I think my overall take is that I really like the uh, direction that this was going with just like stealing stuff. I think that they're they're using that templating a lot more. We saw that blue card in M20 that was like, uh, if you control this many permanent, three permanents you don't own, draw cards. Um, yeah. So like that was really cool. I hope that when we do see a rogue tribal in real life, like it's something kind of akin to that or this where it's like utilizing the distinction between owning and controlling and stuff like that. I think that's mm -hmm. a cool, cool space for rogues. Yeah. Yeah. I think this d yeah. definitely matches the flavor of rogues. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, if, if we had this guy without the make stuff unblockable, like I really like sort of the flavor of this. Mm -hmm. And I like that this is a card that since you're trying to get your rogues in unblocked, like this is the perfect deck to play all the prowl cards from like Lauren. Block, oh which, Yeah you know don't get a lot of love but are all really neat cards yeah those are really cool i am such a huge fan of notorious throng and there are so few decks where i get to use it notorious throng uh earwig squad noggin whack knowledge exploitation I know, I just, that's a sweet one yeah i i mostly just like noggin whack because it's a, <laughs> a fish tied to a brick hitting the guy in the head <laughs> Oh, and man. like, come on, who who doesn't love a good fish brick, right? Yeah, they had a lot of fun with card concepting and uh, Lorwyn, you can tell. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, moving on to the next design. We have Hestia, Drogskull General. 
at two white, blue, black. This is a legendary spirit soldier. It has flying and hexproof. And whenever you cast a spirit spell, you may cast target spirit card with converted mana cost less than that spell from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. Also, Hestia is a 3-3. The rules on this card, it's fine. It's a relatively simple design as far as the ones that we're looking at today go. Uh, my only issue with templating is that triggered ability is a mouthful and a big run on sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it's... was hard to, to read it out just now. Yeah, so I mean, I, I rather than like try to explain what's wrong with it, here's a more cleanly templated version uh, that I wrote out, which I think sort of gets the point across. So rather than when you cast a spirit spell, you may cast target spirit card with converted mana cost less than that spell from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. <sighs> How about whenever you cast a spirit spell, choose target spirit card in your graveyard with a lesser converted mana cost. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Mm, I like that break in there. Yeah, it yeah, feels I real good. Like, I think this needs, like, w with as many requirements and actions that are going on, you need to make a break in abilities sometimes. Mm -hmm. You're just going to make, you know, a sentence that's just, like, 150 words long and doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I think also, um, w with a templating thing like that, too, I think a big point is that it just makes it easier to parse what's going on. And, like, now people who, like, let's say this was in a pack and you opened up this pack. If it had the templating that you just said, then you could read it and be like, oh, okay. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I, like, choose a spirit in my graveyard and then I can cast it. Like, it's, like, just much clearer when you have templating mm -hmm. like that. So, that I really very much like splitting it up. It just may, I, I just want to yeah. make sure a new player would be able to understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just noticed one uh, one issue overall, mm -hmm. but since I haven't gotten into my overall thoughts, I'll add it now. Um, in general, I like this design. It leaves room for flavor text, which a lot of these other designs don't seem to. Mm -hmm. And especially with legendary creatures, it's nice to have even a little bit of flavor text to sort of let you understand who the character is. Mm -hmm. One thought I had is like, okay, so this is a spirit lord. But why is this spirit soldier doing something that feels like more like a wizardy or clericy sort of thing, mm -hmm. right? And then just in general, like mechanically, um, the ability is going to need a bit of a tweak because, like, it should be whenever you cast a spirit spell from your hand, because otherwise you're just going to chain spirit spells down and down and down from your graveyard, right? Because you cast one from your graveyard for free. Oh, now I can cast, this triggers it again. I can now cast a cheaper one and a cheaper one and a cheaper one. And, you know, go five, four, three, two, one. That's not the intent of the card, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I so it probably should be whatever you cast a spirit spell from your hand. But, like, it can't trigger on itself anyway, so just whenever you cast a spirit spell from your hand, right? Like, yeah. No, I don't know if you've gotten to play with the first sliver recently, if you've seen that card played. I have not. It is pretty buck wild, and uh, this reminds, yeah. in the version that it is now, without the, like, you cast from your hand, kind of reminds me of that, yes. but, like, way more consistent, because mm -hmm. then you get Wrath. Yeah, it's like you get to choose. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh -huh. You always have your board full again after a Wrath. You're like, okay, well, now I'll cast my four drop and get my three and my two and my one. And that's not the point, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's meant to be a value thing. Yeah, it's crazy that, like, as is the way it's written, 
if you have a spirit craft trigger and then you cast like a six drop spirit, you're going to get six of that spirit craft triggers. That's, I think there's a lot that that would probably break. Mm -hmm. There's definitely like, I have not made a list for this, but I I can imagine there's some heinosity there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reaper Queen. This is from Veroid. Thank you. We got a bunch of cool designs from a bunch of people. So, um, I want to try and hit as many people as possible. Reaper Queen is a 6-6 Scarecrow with the hybrid white and two, blue and two, black and two, red and two, or green and two. Two bread manas. Yeah, the two bread manas. Same cost as Reaper King. Exactly. Um, And has when uh, other Scarecrows you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter. But then there's this big paragraph. It says, when you cast a Scarecrow, you gain two life for each white used to cast it. You draw a card, then discard a card for each blue used to cast it. Target opponent loses two life for each black used to cast it. Reaper Queen deals one damage to target creature for each red spent to cast it. Create a 1-1 green sapperling creature token for each green spent to cast it. I mean, let's go first, like, rules check. Does this does this work? <laughs> yeah, that would work. I mean, card, other cards have cared about what mana was spent to cast spells. Like, there was a whole cycle of hybrid cards in Shadowmoor that did this. You know, cards like Ether Toe and uh, I know what you're talking about. Torrent I know the art. Torrent of yeah. Souls. Torrent of Souls. Yeah, Torrent of Souls, Batwing Broom. That's all that stuff. That do one thing if whatever is cast. So these these things can work. Uh, but this is like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot is going on here. Rules wise, this is a functional ability. However, um, like there's a couple other things like there should be the, the ability that puts the counters on it should say enter the battlefield with an additional one encounter on it, which is like just a minor templating thing. Uh, and the triggered ability should be whenever you cast a scarecrow spell. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just minor stuff. The yeah. ability itself, uh, that all needs to be a single sentence for it to be a trigger, because triggers oh. are... Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, like... my question about it was, like, does is this... The, I mean, I know that we can care about colors, but does this function? Because I think this design space, it was interesting, and I kind of wanted to talk about, like, how to make it work, which is what it seems like you're getting into. Yeah, um, it it works fine. It's just it's a lot, and it's a lot to track, and you're getting a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, like, I if we really really wanted to do this this thing where we care about the colors of mana spent to cast a scarecrow because we're a five color tribe. I think it would be better to just care about one of each, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you cast, if you like, like the Shadowmoor cards, if you paid white, you get X. If you paid blue, you get Y, you know? Yeah. Counting for each one just, like, pushes this to, like, 20 out of 10, right? It's, like, it's it's too much. And, like, even if it was just the yes or no, it's just, it's just too much like it this this is a headache on a card basically (laughs) there are spells that do these sorts of things like there's the spell called last stand that sort of counts basic land types Mm -hmm. on your lands um but like that did it once 
when yeah. it resolved and that was it. Yeah, it like, was the sorcery. Having this as a trigger is like, yeah, no. No, 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 no. No, no. So, no do. so I do want to get into some cool thing. The reason why I wanted to bring this up is that I think, like, scarecrows deserve a commander that doesn't just, like, vindicate all the permanents. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was a cool attempt at that like you're looking at like okay i want to do a five color scarecrow deck well how would i do it and i think this triggers is like as much as it doesn't work i like that it's playing off of that stuff so i think like the comparison to last stand is like a good place to do it i think tying that to Um, when you cast a scarecrow is kind of a lot (laughs) so one thing i would like the one thing like i could see possibly working if we're if we're trying to tie into scarecrows back in Shadowmoor when the scarecrows came out there was this uh, whole cycle of scarecrows that got certain abilities if you had permanence of one of two colors right mm-hmm. like the wing rattle scarecrow rattle blaze blaze whatever there, there were five words and they all went together uh, i think something that like gave those abilities to scarecrows you cast with that would be cool but then that's a huge memory issue Mm -hmm. yeah i i Uh, want to like reward casting scarecrow like this i think this is like trying to connect being five color to being a scarecrow which i think is a cool way to do that i just yeah think it's it's uh this is a pretty i think you used the word ambitious to describe this this card i like the design i just think it would make more sense if it wasn't a trigger every time you cast one Mm -hmm. because that's a lot to deal with yeah right my thing was gonna be if this got bigger for each lane type like if this was instead of being a six six for five slash ten if this was like a two two for five slash ten and then it got bigger for each land type you have then you could be like, yeah. okay, like if I have a swamp, scarecrows have this. If I have this, they get this. So that would be, I think, a way. Mm-hmm. Like then you just look. You're like, well, how big's my guy? Okay, he's a five five right now. So that means they have these three abilities. Like, mm-hmm. I think that would be a way to kind of fix that. Because I do, I like the checking. But yeah, I, I like the attempt to make a scarecrow commander. I think that's like a an exercise that is difficult i'm really glad that this was attempted and uh Mm -hmm. i want to see more when we want to do more of these kind of custom card episodes so if any of you have a cool scarecrow idea so i've i've got a couple comments on reaper queen um the first thing that stood out to me is that the making it so that other scarecrows enter the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter makes it so that it goes infinite with one of the persist scarecrows and a sack outlet. So there's oh, right. th- yeah, yeah, there's rattleblaze scarecrow and wing rattle scarecrow. So then you get infinite sack fodder that way. Also, like mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I know that scarecrows in Shadowmore block are strongly connected to like caring about colors, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's like if we need to be tied to that forever because like the flavor of that like mechanical mm-hmm. expression doesn't super make sense like yeah so so i really liked um that new scarecrow they designed for c19 the scare tiller mm-hmm. because yeah. Yeah. It, it was a scarecrow that like it, it sort of makes sense that scarecrows would involve land in some way mm-hmm. 
And so I'm wondering if like a scarecrow commander, it might be worth exploring a reward where like you do, you have a scarecrow, you cast a scarecrow, a scarecrow enters the battlefield, something with scarecrows. And then the reward is somehow yeah. related to land. They've made quite a few scarecrows that are sort of tied to land, right? Like there's the new scare tiller. There's the wild field scarecrow. Mm hmm. I actually really like what the very original Scarecrow from The Dark did. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. for the, for like the 100% of you out there that don't know what this <laughs> card does, um, the original Scarecrow, which is from The Dark, is a 5-mana 2-2 two -two artifact creature Scarecrow, mm -hmm. which is good value, obviously. Oh, yes. Uh, and it has an activated ability that is 6-tap, prevent all damage that would be dealt to you this turn by creatures with flying, which is, you know, what a Scarecrow does, right? Yeah. yeah. It was very evocative. It is. Like, it's a cool thing. Like, I could see Scarecrows as, like, an anti-flying tribe as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, some sort of, like, you know... Anti-bird, anti-flying, anti whatever sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, right? I, I think that uh, as long as it gives you like a like place to hang up your hat, like you could do something like that. Like even just so much as like uh, creatures of flying can be blocked as if they didn't have flying, and then some yeah. combaty kind of like creatures with flying can't attack you or something. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, stuff like that. Like I think there's there's ways you could put those kind of abilities together that would give you like a fun build around as opposed to just like a another yeah, like exactly like yeah kind yeah. of planeswalker protection card. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that I would love to see a scarecrow design that captures what's flavorful about scarecrows rather than just the way they were expressed in shadow more block yeah exactly exactly uh, one thing that i think is actually kind of cool the only non-artifact scarecrow is actually from portal three kingdoms oh interesting which which one is that it's called straw soldiers and it's a one three scarecrow soldier for one and a blue <laughs> and it's not an artifact <laughs> oh weird Oh, it's, I think yeah. it's, uh, I saw a, a movie that was like a adaptation of part of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. There was like one part where one of the strategists, uh, they were like super low on arrows. So they filled these ships with like just straw men. Oh yeah, I know So that, that the bad guys would uh, shoot arrows at them and then they just that, rode the ships back and like here's all our yeah, arrows that, that's a that is that's, a portals card that's like borrowing 10,000 arrows or something yeah arrows. yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. which is also the highest integer that appears on a magic card oh. mm. let's here's a here's another card we can talk about uh it is from finn lavich it is madsy confident of ashiok one blue black for a 10-4 legendary nightmare horror. <laughs> Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by Madsy, confident of Ashiok. Whenever a nightmare leaves the battlefield or attacks, each player puts the top X cards of their library into their graveyard, where X is that creature's power. Whenever a horror leaves the battlefield or attacks, each player puts the top X cards of their library into their graveyard, where X is that creature's power. So for I mean before rules like how do you feel about this card? I like the idea. I think it's really a cool sort of idea. Um my biggest concern is that by being a like 
just big body, like a 10-4 for 3 mana, it opens it up to just some mechanical abuse where you don't really care about the card, you just want it for the stats in like other zones, the same sort of way that like say a Varl's deck will have Death Shadow in it just to be a, you know, plus 13, plus 13 scavenge for a black mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Th there's definitely... I can imagine ways to abuse this. I'd have to actually look at what specifically in these colors cares about that kind of stuff before I would, like, make the call. I think it would be very, very strong in, like, certain other lists for sure. <laughs> Rules-wise, does this... Does this work like what do this you think works fine rules wise uh there's a couple of weird things with the rules like uh it prevents all damage which i guess makes sense because you don't want to be able to stick something that lets it like fight or deal damage equal to its power to abuse that which is fine the fact that the second and third abilities trigger for other people's nightmares and horrors that's a little odd because mm -hmm. they're not exactly common creature types, and generally in modern modern card design, you don't really care about permanence, your opponent's control of specific types, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no, that's very, very much like a, a past age of design. So I guess you would just run a Chainer, like 1.0 in this list. That'd yeah. be probably a pretty easy way to abuse that kind of ETB stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know that I like it being, like, a two-tribe commander. That seems odd. I mean, there are a fair number of Nightmare Horrors, but, like, I, I think choose one and, like, and kinda you know, roll stick with, that. with the other. Mm -hmm. But, like, really, the second and third abilities could be condensed together. Like, whenever a Nightmare or a horror. horror you can, you control leaves the battlefield or attacks, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because it's, it's the um, same trigger twice, basically. Yeah, it's so that can be condensed down to save some space. But also, like, why leaves the battlefield? That's an odd choice to me. Uh, why is it just a general attacks trigger versus, like, attacks and isn't blocked? Yeah, I mean, this actually, I think, would be the most aggressive mill commander that we have. Because I'm trying to think of, like, another mill. Like, it comes down very early, like, way earlier than the other mill commanders. Mm -hmm. And then easily like in black blue set up a loop where you're like recurring the same creature over and over again and milling everyone for like maybe it's only like five but if you can do that yeah infinite to like four times a turn then like i like the idea of this card i just I, some of the choices are a little odd for nightmares and horrors like that's kind of cool that like the abilities are kind of weird and unsettling yeah yeah some of the choices like just from like a mechanical sort of visceral feeling that's cool but i don't understand what the design is trying to accomplish in that way mm -hmm. beyond that yeah i uh so i can i think i could defend some of the elements of this card mm -hmm. like i think the lees the battlefield trigger is so that it works with madsy so that you can send it to the command zone and still get the trigger but the problem is that kind of opens it up to blink effects because if you have like a dead eye navigator it's only going to take a couple blinks really of mad c like yeah. okay you guys mill 10 i pay two mana you guys mill 10 well how many activations until you're all dead yeah a few yeah especially if it's like gets if you get to the point like it's turn six people have drawn cards 
you have a dead eye navigator so now you're like milling 30 every turn yeah and even if you're just going like turn three madsy turn uh turn four like there's there's a couple like you know one mana cost blue spells are just exile or creature and return it mm-hmm. um if you just make this all about blinking madsy like you only have to blink it eight times <laughs> yeah i think the yeah. this is like this was one of my favorite submissions that we got personally because it's so weird but i do think it on the surface right here is kind of busted mm-hmm. so i think that there would be some tweak maybe if it was another nightmare or horror or something like that yeah like that's still yeah. pretty good but at least you got to work for it like it's not just all stapled on to the front effect right there like i don't know why we necessarily need the leaves the battlefield part of that like even if it was just attacks that would be like a lot cleaner Mm -hmm. yeah i think that'd be also a lot more fair and you'd kind of get a lot of the gameplay that you want out of it you'd be like ha 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 my nightmare army is like coming for you that kind of thing yeah i i think i think we could take like some uh sort of design ideas from undead alchemist if we wanted to tweak this Mm -hmm. yeah i was actually gonna say the same thing so, like, Undead Alchemist basically says if a zombie you control deal combat damage to a player, instead that player mills that many cards. But, like, something like that would be better. Like, even if it was just an attack trigger, that's cool. I think we could probably fix it by making it, like, target opponent or defending player sort of thing. I'm of the mind that, like, mill is weak enough that I'm okay with each player. I think this is a, a reasonable reward if it's if it's just on attack. Sure. I, I think sure that's fair i think too the prevent damage like that should just be like for all your nightmares and horrors because like i think one of the cool parts of like if it was just like prevent all damage nightmares and horrors you control but like when they attacked they milled that's like really flavorful and evocative too it's like okay they can't ever die in combat but i'm just gonna like spook you and attack you like your board like these guys don't actually affect your board but like they make you go insane yeah you're looking at him it's, i think that would be a cool like line of play yeah it, it would be a shame like i hit you with my doom whisperer and you're at six and like you still have 40 cards left in your library like i wanted to mill you out it's not yeah, yeah. is not what i wanted yeah yeah is a next card you'd want to talk about sure uh this one comes from brentoft it is kozramog Breachmaker. oh yeah this guy <laughs> uh White, blue, black, red, green for a 5-7 legendary Eldrazi. It has Devoid and Eminence. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may exile that card. Otherwise, put it on top of your library. Then, if Kozramog was put into the command zone this turn, you may cast up to three cards you own from exile until end of turn without paying their mana costs. Uh... I feel like you got some thoughts on the the rules and templating of this one. Yeah. Uh, Well, for one thing, the eminence ability needs to say that it works if it's in the command zone or on the battlefield, or otherwise it'll only work on the battlefield. Eminence is what's called an ability word, meaning it has no actual rules, definition, or weight. It just ties together similar abilities that do similar things, but aren't... uh, either completely similar enough or mm-hmm. aren't mechanically connected. So 
it just needs to be like at the beginning of your upkeep if uh Kozramog is in your is in the command zone or on the battlefield do blank do the x card of your library you may exile that card it also doesn't need the otherwise put it on top of your library because it's already on top of your library right you're looking at the top card of your library it's in your library <laughs> right if you don't exile it it just stays there right and then you draw it um beyond that beyond those couple of things oh also the last ability should be a trigger of some kind it's a weird sort of thing to template but it should be something like when uh Kozrumog is put into your command zone from anywhere you may cast up to three cards you own from exile this turn without paying their mana costs but that also being a trigger it also means that you can cast more than three which if you can get it out and back into your command zone multiple times is abusable possibly oh yeah i'm thinking um... so uh, that last ability would be really hard to make work you probably could make the rules work for it to be to work sort of as it's written on the card like if it was put in your command zone this turn you can do that but as far as i know there's no precedent for that sort of thing not to say that it couldn't be done it probably would be relatively easy you just need to like you know say that that such a thing can work somewhere in the rules it might even already work in the rules but to me it's such an odd ability i it feels like it doesn't have any direct rules support but yeah you were saying uh so if if it were to be worded as a trigger uh, like when yeah. Kozermog is put into the command zone, you may cast three cards you own from exile until in turn without paying their mana costs. Yeah. So one way you could abuse that is through blink effects. So mm. with blink effects, it's actually possible to like exile your commander and then instead of having them go to exile, go to the command zone and the blink effect yeah. will still return them from the command zone. So... Mm-hmm without having to you don't have to recast your commander again you can just pay two mana to your deadeye navigator exile your commander get him back and then cast up to three cards from exile and in fact if you want to get really crazy (laughs) uh so if you have like a slow blink effect so something Mm -hmm. that leaves it there for a little while so you like slow blink your kozilek or whatever your ulamog and then you quick blink Kozramog, and then you can cast your Kozilek from Exile using Kozramog's uh, trigger. Hmm. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's a way to farm cast triggers if you have the the right the right setup. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Again, that ability probably needs. There's probably like some precedent. Uh, so some things I really like about this card. I like that it's devoid. I like that it's five color and I like that it feels weird. I like that they were able to like really capture the weird like Eldrazi playstyle, like the exile stuff. I think the danger again comes with casting the things from exile. I think when this is just looking at your deck, like it gives you a focus to to build around when it's your own stuff but it, I, I would have hoped for some way to utilize ingest a little bit better yeah. i guess that's what i'm trying to say but i love the like that's... the creepy the weird like off kilter flavor i love prime numbers so <laughs> that's like a really yeah. good way um any pokemon fans out there 
they did this with the Ultra Beasts, which I know not everyone is a super big fan of, but like all the stats on them were prime numbers, uh, which is hilarious. But it just made them feel like really alien, and that's kind of what's going on here too. I definitely feel like this is not like a typical magic card, which I think is really key for an Eldrazi design. Yeah, um, I like the card. Like it's templated correctly like the abilities are in the right order which is hard to do for mm -hmm. things that have abilities like eminence that yeah, work heck yeah mm -hmm. my one other concern i would have with this card is well a it has eminence which i is just i don't i don't like commanders that do stuff from the command zone without mm -hmm. casting mm -hmm. them like you shouldn't get free stuff just because x is your commander right yeah uh, also, what's to just stop like every CADH deck ever from having this as their commander and just to, and just getting a free scry every turn, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, five color. Like this is probably the best five color hermit druid list because you're like, well, that's not what I needed, mm -hmm. and then you just yeah, go exactly. off. Exactly. Oh. I don't know. I mean, it's a really cool design. It's one of my favorites out of this list, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, I do like how clean it was. And like before we move on, I think that's one of the coolest parts of it. Like again, not to say that people people again, this is also like trying to stretch the rules in interesting ways, which is great. Obviously, if you're designing new cards, you want to try and go beyond what's been done before. Mhm. Mm uh, and this is sort of the right way to do it. Like, don't worry if there's something like the last ability that doesn't work under current rules because oh hey, they write new rules for stuff all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is sort of the right way to go about it, I would think. Yeah, one minor note. Uh, I know it doesn't have to be this way because it's an ability word, and so it's basically meaningless. But eminence has been tied to tribal effects in the past. So yeah. to have it here when it this isn't a tribal commander, it doesn't reward you for playing mm -hmm. Eldrazi. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is the right place for it because it uh, goes against yeah. player expectations. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, they could have just not had eminence. I mean, because yeah. like you know, the older ones like Oloro and uh... yeah, Oloro just like writes it out. Yeah. Yep. Um, but let's move on. I don't think we're going to get to too many more. Is there another one or two that you're both really feeling? I'd like to talk about Nihilus Silverform. Sure. Because I think it's a very interesting idea, but it's not accomplishing what it's trying to do. Okay. This is and also... So from, from, from a design perspective, I want to talk about just thinking through, like, this person had a very cool idea, but then they didn't quite think through the ramifications of... The tribe they were trying to support okay so this is another brentoff design so thank you again yeah. brentoff um and i also liked this card a lot um so this is nile silver form is a three five shapeshifter for two blue red green uh, whenever a shapeshifter enters the battlefield you may draw a card if you control six shapeshifters at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may gain control of all creatures, target opponent controls until end of turn. Those creatures cannot be sacrificed while under your control. So, uh, yeah, do you want to get into your feelings on this card, Charlotte? Yeah, um, so I like what it's trying to do, but the one thing that you need to really understand when you're doing, like, if you're doing this to support, like, changelings, then you're fine, right? Because they just have all the creature types anyway. Uh, but if you're using this as like a clone commander, it's not going to do what you want it to do because 90% of the time a shapeshifter isn't entering the battlefield as a shapeshifter, right? It's entering as a copy of something else 
and then it's no longer a shapeshifter once it's on the battlefield so that first ability wouldn't trigger mm -hmm. to make that work it should be a trigger like a cast trigger like whenever you cast a shapeshifter spell yeah you know you may draw a card no there's very few oh. there are a few shapeshifters that enter as shapeshifters in addition yeah, like, or something there's like the lings and the and the changelings right there's the yeah cycle. yeah but yeah most of the clones it's it's a very rare clone that is also a shapeshifter in addition to its other types yep um the second ability if you control six or more shapeshifters is a little harder to make sort of work if you were trying to make this more of a clone sort of commander which it seems to be because it's like it's it's all about playing with form um mm -hmm. you'd need to template it as something like is if you if you control six or more non-token creatures that are copies yeah like you, you it, it, i don't know exactly what the correct templating would be yeah but like i was i was but wondering like, like... The, it certainly is something we could care about like if something is a copy of something else okay i didn't know i didn't know that, that would... uh the the rules could tell if something was a copy oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's absolutely something you can care about like it, you oh, can tell cool. if something is under a copy of that the thing is what the rules can't do at least under the current rules is reference the printed values of anything that's on the battlefield the, oh okay right mm -hmm. if something's a copy of something else it is that thing it's not it looks exactly identical to the game as the original of that thing so they'd either need to make a thing that like cared about something that's printed as which they've never done before but certainly could do or they need to do something like that art that's a copy of something else right yeah so would you template that as like if when a creature enters the battlefield if it's printed text is different then like like something like that yeah um you could also with nihilus's first ability you could also say whenever a creature you control enters the battlefield as a copy of another creature oh yeah that's cool right like whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield as a copy of another creature draw a card yeah that's really cool um, actually and then because he because nihilus is green this could also play into things like essence of the wild and that sort of stuff mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yeah yeah i really um, liked that about this card is that like it's in the perfect colors to like kind of do these kind of shenanigans and these like little momentary shape changey things it's pretty cool again i'm not sure how you'd fix the second ability but i'm sure there's probably a way to do it i think um if you lower the threshold for it if you go like yeah. if you control four creatures that have the same name or something like that yeah that would be like a cool way to do it because that that honestly would be like worth the reward you're like yeah. okay for non-token for non-token uh, non yeah alternate Alternately, you could do something like you could combine it all. Like you could say, do something like, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield, if it's a copy of, you know, another thing, uh, put a counter on Nihilus and draw a card, mm -hmm. and then have an ability that's like remove four counters from him. Do the gain control of thing, right? Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, that's a pretty cool way to do that. But yeah, this was also like one of my favorite designs that we were given. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up to talk about. It. It's really cool.
Yeah. I think it was one of the most interesting ones from a rules perspective, but also one of the ones where it didn't do what they were trying to do the most. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's important to think, like, it's a very cool idea, but the thing is with shapeshifters, you just can't care about them the same way you care about other tribes. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really like your suggestion to have it trigger off of something entering the battlefield under your control as a copy of something. Because mm -hmm. the way it, it's worded currently, or even if it just were to change to whenever you cast a shapeshifter, the those kinds of triggers just encourage you to run like the cheapest versions possible. Like yeah. so that you can maximize all, all, how many all the times changelings, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just run the, the very just maximize the draw triggers, how many draw triggers you can get in a single turn. But your version like really plays to the strengths of the tribe rather than like, I'm just going to run Moth Dust, Changeling, and Universal Automaton. Oh, another idea that you could have, sort of, if you were doing the activated ability, you could say, you could make it, say, remove like two or more or like whatever, like some number or more. Mm -hmm. uh, gain control of up to X, where X is the number of counters removed this way sort of thing. Gotcha, yeah. And that sort of seems more like flowy, shapeshiftery, in my brain at least. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think for now, that kind of does it. I, I want to say, like, big thank you to everyone who submitted cards. We had a lot of spoilers in between when we asked for these and now when we were doing the uh, Unsupported Tribe episode. We had a lot of just other things that were kind of time sensitive. Maybe it was... Uh, recording schedule based or whatever so Comic -Con. this is comic-con happened so there's a bunch of things that have happened between then and now but we're really very uh grateful that so many people submitted um and mm -hmm. we're grateful that you're able to talk about them with us charlotte yeah this is no, great. absolutely i mean i i i i don't do as much of it as I used to, but like back before I was a judge, I was pretty involved with like custom card creation. I never went so far as making my own set, but mm -hmm. it's something that I've been thinking about for many years. So I'm always happy to lend advice for it, especially from like a rules point of view. Mm -hmm. If our listeners have their own rules question and want to get feedback from you, where can they find you, Charlotte? Well, the best way to get your rules questions answered by me is on my blog, which is magicjudge.tumblr.com. Uh, other than that, if you have other questions about, say, the CAG or card templating, whatever, uh, you can find me on Twitter at JQLGirl. And yeah, that's the best way to get in touch. I would recommend uh listeners to please submit questions to the uh to charlotte's tumblr because then lots of people get <laughs> the benefit of seeing the answers to them and it's very cool place to learn a lot of weird stuff about magic that i think a lot of players don't end up really needing to delve into but kind of makes you mm -hmm. i i don't know i feel like um I've gotten a lot better just at magic in general because I've learned a lot of these weird rules interactions. Definitely. Well, uh, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Charlotte. We really appreciate your, your insights. Um, well, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we're going to be looking for more opportunities to have you on the show. And, yeah. and if you like doing this custom card thing, then I, I think, uh, we have some, some passionate designers who like submitting stuff and we could definitely, 
generate enough content to do this many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's fun. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go, I want to briefly thank our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Brock, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Nathan, and Cooper. Thank you guys for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio. And if you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, you can go to patreon.com slash commandertheory. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.